realizing, you know, we've had such a terrible loss of life. Maybe the smallest thing to do is, is pull it. Uh, they made that decision to pull it. Uh, we watched the building collapse. They ignored it because they wanted it to happen. Justice is merely incidental to law and order. J. Edgar Hoover, first head of the FBI. Hello, and welcome to Historica Esoterica. I am your host, Matt Kaltra, joined by my ever-listening wiretapped friend, Special Agent Roswell, FBI. <laughs> In case you couldn't guess from that, and the title, and presumably the episode art, yeah. this episode is about J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, <laughs> In the FBI, yeah, everybody's favorite sus lord. Uh, he's nobody's favorite. Everybody hated him, uh, except for, I guess, Eisenhower. But yeah, no, head of the FBI formerly the uh, the BI, which was an interesting thing. I actually didn't know that before I started researching yeah, this. Yeah, I didn't either. That was interesting. Yeah, what did you what did you know about our boy, J. Edgar, before we started researching on this? <laughs> he looms large in our circles, yeah. I think. Well, and here's the thing is, so I'm new to these circles, so I kind of <laughs> knew pretty much nothing about him. The first time I ever heard about J. Edgar Hoover was in like a Cthulhu video game where they're like, <laughs> you're like a detective and they're like, one of J. Edgar's boys. And I was like, who's that? <laughs> so like, I just kind of know him vaguely from the zeitgeist, right? So what I knew going into this was that he was the guy who started or was in charge of the FBI from the beginning. And he was known for having a lot of dirt on people. That was pretty much all I knew. Uh, and that he may have cross-dressed at one point. <laughs> yeah, and you know, honestly, between those three things, you know most of what there is to know about him, I found. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty consistent character, this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. usually, you know, when you see someone like this, like a, a villain of history, someone who's usually looked on with scorn, you're like, well, I'm sure there's more to the guy. Yeah. Nope, and not really. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's just cartoonishly villainous, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, what you see is sort of what you get with him. But nevertheless, he's very interesting and yeah. sort of similar to how we're do- we did our OSS episode. I think we're going to just go through and sort of trace the start of some of these FBI methods that uh, maybe echo ominously throughout more modern history and conspiracy. Sure. Uh, and I figured, you know what? His birthday's coming up. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> that was uh so yeah let's just jump into it unless you had something more to say no no let's go okay. ahead awesome so he was born john edgar hoover in dc on new year's day of 1895 to two people with fascinating names so he was born to uh, anna marie hoover which is the most like late 19th century woman name i've yeah. ever heard and Dickerson Naylor Hoover, <laughs> who is 
the <laughs> only man I have ever heard of who had only last names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like you you sometimes meet a first name, first name. Yeah, right? exactly. Like a Kevin, you know, James or something like that. Sometimes you'll meet <laughs> a last name, last name, but you rarely meet a last name, last name, last name. Yeah. Yeah, you rarely meet Dickerson Naylor Hoover, which just... And- how and all pretty much all three of those names could be innuendos yeah especially all together yeah (laughs) Yeah, so it's a real wonder that he turned out to be the repressed insane psycho that he did right um, (laughs) names like this surrounding him uh also interestingly so he was born john edgar later on his name legally changed to j edgar right uh which i thought was very funny i had i didn't know about this beforehand but he apparently changed it when he heard about a guy named john edgar hoover who hadn't paid off like some large bill in DC. And he was like, well, I simply cannot be confused with this man, which that is so strange to me. Cause like insane. The Wikipedia says Hoover was particular about paying his bills on time. So he didn't (laughs) want to be associated with this disreputable behavior, which I'm like (laughs) that there has got to be like a level of maybe not OCD, but just like particularness. Yeah. There's something insane. Yeah. Yeah. I just like that it was like the opposite of like the two George Bushes that worked at the CIA. Yeah, exactly. like, they tried to do that with John Edgar Hoover and he was like, nope, I'm changing my name. This will not work on me. Uh, it's very funny. Yeah. So, so you know. and I, I know it's a dumb question, but I'm asking for all the dumb people out in our audience and not for me. Any relation <laughs> to Herbert Hoover? Oh, Matthew? you know what? That's a great question. Uh, for <laughs> the dumb people out there. I'm pretty sure it's no relation. Yeah. And I forgot to look it up, so we're just going to look it up right now. Because he was now. the director under Herbert, Herbert Hoover, like, if the timeline serves correctly, because like, that was, like, the 20s. Hoover J. Edgar Hoover. A Tale of Two Hoovers. All right, so according to hooverblogs.archives.gov. <laughs> my go-to blog for Hoover information. They were not related, but they first crossed paths in Washington in the early okay. 1920s. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So, there we go. Now we know. All the dumb people in the audience and also the dude, the two dumb hosts now know this for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I should have gone with my gut on that one. <laughs> I, I had a feeling they weren't, but there's you know, there's one of these things like with, with like politics is you never know, right? Because I've been looking into some of the presidential assassinations and some of the bloodlines of these assassins are insane. So yeah, it's like, it is, I don't know. That's the thing, is it's like powerful people in D.C., they're all related if you go back far enough. So if they right. share a last name, it's always worth at least asking. Yes, exactly. So, dumb members of the audience, don't worry, <laughs> we're with you. <laughs> the dumb members of the audience is just me editing this episode. Listen. <laughs> this is a safe space for dumb people, don't worry. <laughs> uh, that's what we're here for, we're here to educate you. That's right. So he obtained a Master of Laws degree from George Washington University in 1917. Um, interestingly, a couple other notable alums uh, include John Foster Dulles, hmm. who uh, <laughs> I emoji already. Yes. As well as William Barr, uh, you oh. know, whose ties to Epstein are overshadowed by his father's ties to him. And his father, of course, being the former OSS agent, I emoji, uh, Donald huh. Barr who wow. was instrumental in getting Epstein a job as a math professor. So, you know, lots lots going on hmm. at this university. Not sure what George Washington <laughs> University is up to, but if it's a big university in D.C., you can probably raise an eyebrow at it. It's up to uh, no good. That's what we know. It's up to no good. Yeah. Uh, 
And pretty much immediately after his graduation, he joined the Justice Department's various war-related efforts. Because it's 1917, World War I is still swinging. And so he, at age 24, became head of the Bureau of Investigation, not to be confused with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which would come about later. Uh, He became involved with their Radical Division, where he was tasked with tracking and arresting uh, mostly left-wing radicals within the United States. Anytime that you hear about Hoover tracking down radicals, it is <laughs> left-wingers. Just yeah. general rule of thumb. Left-wingers, communists, that's pretty much it. People, yeah. he, didn't, people he just didn't like. Yeah, the ones who he didn't agree with. Yeah. yeah. One, I don't want to skim over, like, that's pretty dang impressive to become the head of an entire bure- like division at 24. Yeah, he was um, crazy. Let me be clear. This man had a work ethic. Yeah. Uh, Never let it be said that he didn't work hard enough in his life. Uh, Wait, was he a Protestant? Probably. Probably, I think he was, actually. Hang on, let me take a look. Apparently, there's going to be a lot of this. This episode's going to have a lot of me going, wait a minute, let me double check that. (laughs) Uh, And it's going to have a lot of me going, (laughs) dumb question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to see, I mean, I'm not seeing anything about him being Catholic, so I'm just going to assume that means he's a Protestant, which is just a safe bet with these guys. Yeah. Because, oh boy, if there's one thing that William J. Donovan taught us, if you're a Catholic at this time period, everybody is writing about Everybody's, it. Everybody's, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> That's so true. There's a, gr- a great quote from the Wikipedia that I want to read to about Hoover's leadership, which kind of like was exemplified early on. Uh, it says, quote, Hoover was sometimes unpredictable in his leadership. He frequently fired bureau agents, singling out those he thought looked like stupid truck drivers <laughs> or whom he considered pinheads <laughs> which that's such a funny reason <laughs> you know to get fired like, I'm, we're not going to defend all of his actions yeah but when he's right he's right that is <laughs> pretty funny that's pretty good you can't be having pinheads work for you you know that's such a 1930s way to get fired like ah, I was you dumb a truck pinhead. driver <laughs> yeah get <exactly>. out of here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so in the Radical Division, he uh, apparently did a great job because just two years later, he was made head of the entire Bureau of Investigation. Yeah. Although this, of course, was not before becoming a Freemason. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes. Yeah, you know, of course. We gotta, you know, we gotta hit all the, we're playing all the hits Okay, I want to make sure you wouldn't skim over that for our more paranoid people. But yes, he did become a Freemason at D.C.'s Federal Lodge Number 1 in Washington, D.C. Which just... And he was made a 33rd degree Inspector General Honorary in 1955. So, hmm. Yeah, and look, let me just say, I know we said, like, you know, not all the Masons are sus. That does not count if you're part of Federal Lodge Number 1 or a 33rd degree General Inspector. Like, you know, so just something to bear in mind as we continue. My man is just knee-deep in all the sus activities at this point. Um... So, ever the charmer, he did fire every single female agent in the Bureau uh, immediately after taking power, and then banned their hiring, which... That's just some gay slay activity. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> like, come on, man. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, that was me talking to Hoover. I was, yeah. I was a fan of what you said. He also, I forgot to mention this, but when he was in high school, on his debate team, he argued against women getting the right to vote. And the school newspaper 
apparently praised his sound logic in calm <laughs> arguments. Um, so, so, oh my god, this guy is just a villain. Yeah, just an insane window into a different time period. Reading about this guy's early life, uh, but <laughs> it's very go, funny to be to like have women arguing in a college seminar, like that they should be able to vote, and then the teacher being like, "All right, now let's see all sides of this argument. <laughs> let's see what the boys have to yeah. say. Let's um, see what Nick but... Fuentes has to say." About <laughs> Sorry, yeah, J. Edgar Hoover having lunch with Kanye, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, However, I know what the art's going to be. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, another interesting move that I do want to highlight from his early mm. days as director of the Bureau. Uh, he reassigned and functionally ended the career of FBI agent and fellow Freemason, uh, Melvin Purvis, yeah. who was notable for having arrested or killed several very high-profile gangsters and a couple other bank robbers. And following this reassignment later on in life, Purvis uh, resigned from the FBI, and then in 1960, he was found dead of a gunshot wound to his head, uh, which, of mm. course, was ruled a suicide, of though course. the coroner's report did not rule it as such. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just uh, just the way it goes. So he, uh, anyway, the the general narrative around why this firing took place is that Hoover was, like, jealous of all the press that Purvis was getting. And I don't know if I agree with that entirely. Yeah. Um, there's there's definitely something to be said for that. Because we know that Hoover was spiteful and jealous and petty and all of those things. Yeah. But just sort of put a pin in that. The, uh, the agent who was really, really making headway when it came to arresting and capturing gangsters... Right. Has his career ended. We'll, we'll revisit that later. Yes, we will. Because it becomes quite interesting when we examine his uh i guess his crusade in heavy <laughs> quotes against gangsters yeah exactly yeah uh throughout the 30s and uh, much of his career in fact he just denied that national organized crime networks existed uh which so fascinating crazy move for the guy who has all of these intelligence networks going is wiretapping everything to go like i see no proof right of organized well, crime occurring Here's the thing in today in, you know, we know that that was happening. So it's like, well, I don't know. It's just to the to the people who would be like, well, why would the government lie to us? It's like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> if an insane guy is in charge, they might. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, yeah. Like not that every person who's in charge is insane, depending on, you know, what division you're talking about. But like, but it helps. That, it helps. And so it's just <laughs> like, I don't know. To me, like that was just pretty representative of kind of the FBI like tone and attitude where they're like, ah, don't worry about that. And yeah. then meanwhile, worry about it. It's real. I don't know. Does that make any sense? No, I agree. That's again, part of why I like talking about Hoover. And I think why so many people talk about Hoover is he's just such a great object lesson for the fallibility of these sorts of things. Or it's like, yeah. all right, you know, you can build a giant network of intelligence agents and wiretaps across America. But yeah, if it's getting run by this guy, good luck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> His literal but, only goal during certain parts of his career seems to just be like blackmailing celebrities and other yeah. politicians for what can I find out about Charlie exactly. Chaplin? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Edgar, what is this helping us find? Uh, but you know, anyway, 
so just, again, something to just bear in mind. So in the 40s is when things really kick into high gear, and we get the sort of things we all associate with J. Edgar Hoover. Because during World War II, uh, FDR granted Hoover permission to illegally, I would like to note, wiretap the homes of individuals who were suspected of being Nazi agents or Nazi sympathizers, uh, which he got that permission then, and then pretty much whenever he asked for it in the future. Uh, this is something that, I don't know if anybody else has pointed this out, but when you give spy agencies permission to spy on people, they don't ever stop. Right. Um, and it's, the, again, the same as in our OSS episode, right? When we we talked about the fact that a lot of the things the OSS did were fine or even good when they were being used against Nazis. Against Nazis, yeah. But then, regrettably, the CIA just decided to keep doing them, usually against, like, striking Italian train workers, uh, a group who I'm a little less concerned about. Uh, and sure. similarly, you know... Hoover's wiretapping programs continued for pretty much indefinitely. This this is the reason that everybody knows about him and his habit of listening in on people and collecting yeah. dirt and blackmail wherever he could, right? Right. I know you were perusing FBI.gov earlier. Did they say anything about his initial wiretaps or are these quotes coming in later? Um, you know... <laughs> Let's just say they may have skimmed over that. Hmm. Weird. Weird. Uh, huh? <laughs> Do you want to hear? Um, there. Basically, I just pulled some quotes on their kind of like overview of his life. Do you want me just to read them? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so this is from FBI.gov's biography on Hoover. It says, um, and I'm just going to skim this and kind of cherry pick, but it says, quote, under Director Hoover, the Bureau grew in responsibility and importance, becoming an integral part of the national government and an icon in American popular culture. In the 1930s, the FBI attacked violent crime by gangsters and implemented <laughs> programs to professionalize U.S. law enforcement. Yeah, they didn't do that. Um, <laughs> back to the quote. Uh, during the 1940s and 50s, the Bureau garnered headlines for its staunch efforts against Nazi and communist espionage. Which, fair enough. During World War II, the Bureau took lead in domestic counterintelligence, counterespionage, and counter-sabotaging investigations. And then just kind of some more stuff about the Cold War, um, criminal investigations, car thefts, bank robberies, kidnapping, all of that. Here's the interesting part. Quote, in the 1960s and early 1970s, the Bureau took on investigations in the field of civil rights and organized crime. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, two <laughs> not very similar things in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, look, sit-ins, extortion, they're yeah, basically the same basically thing. the same, yeah. Asking for equal rights, racketeering and murder, who's to say yeah. the difference? Just, you know, the, the it's the same picture, and it's just like yeah. the Greyhound bus protests and Meyer Lansky shipping guns <laughs> into Cuba. I'm like, yeah, it's the right. same thing to me. That's the same uh, thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, so here's how they justify it. They say, the threat of political violence occupied many of the Bureau's resources, as did the threat of foreign espionage. In spite of Mr. Hoover's age and length of service, presidents of both parties made the decision to keep him at the helm of the Bureau. <laughs> mm, we'll come yeah. back to that. Uh, when Mr. Hoover died in his sleep on May uh 2nd 1972 he had left he had led the fbi for 48 years yeah and it was because he was just so great right yeah not because he had blackmail <laughs> yeah nixon definitely didn't go on tape and say 
I would fire Hoover, but I don't want to deal with the consequences. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. The other thing they, the other quote they had, like, I mean, it's just, it's kind of what we'd expect when we looked at the CIA's kind of version of of the OSS, where it's just like, (laughs) it's kind of a cleaned up, watered down version of the story, which, I mean, fair enough, I guess. You probably don't want to advertise on the box that, you know, he was an insane freak, right? Yeah, if, if you're, yeah, you're sending to that to, you send that to like the insiders. You're like, hey, exactly. check this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like when you work at a restaurant, like you don't really go out and like tell like the customers like, yeah, the cooks are crazy, right? You don't say <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> you just, you know, let the other people know. But yeah, so here's another quote, which I thought was interesting. This talks about kind of like the structuring and like, I guess, ah, MO of the FBI, which mm-hmm. I thought was cool, which was... um and just to preface it, Hoover kind of worked with the Library of Congress at one point. So it says, quote, Hoover's experience with the Library of Congress and its innovative organization of knowledge have often been credited with influencing the creative, the creation of the FBI's own knowledge manage, management system, the FBI files. Mm-hmm. It, in a letter, Hoover wrote, this job trained me in the value of collating material. It gave me an excellent foundation for my work with the FBI, where it has been necessary to collate information and evidence, end quote, which is basically, I guess, it gave him a way to organize the blackmail, you know, in his own words, I would say, because yeah, that seems primarily what he was interested in was just kind of amassing information on everyone and everything, just absolutely paranoid. Yeah, very similar to we discussed, you know, Alan Dulles's. Yeah, uh, the the influence that it his almost run in with right. a, a revolutionary hat on him and his belief that, you know, everybody, every CIA agent should at least listen to someone who knocks on their door. It's very similar. That sort of neurotic habit towards just collecting information for the sake of collecting information. You're like, well, well and it worked out so well for Alan Dulles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just smart uh, guy. Like, well, we've, we've got the wiretaps. We might as well use them. It'd be a, yeah. it'd be a shame not to. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we already bought them, so, you know. (laughs) Want to stretch your wiretap dollar. We're getting our Um, money's worth. That's right. Um, Yeah, so I just, I thought that was kind of an interesting, like, that's sort of the, I guess, um, mythology that mm -hmm. of him that the FBI presents, which I think is not different from what you'd expect. It's just kind of that very bland government, like, yeah, he did this and he served us for 48 years. And it's like, yeah, fine. It's just yeah. weird. It's just weird that they, I guess, equate civil rights with organized crime. I think that was the part that really sussed me out. Yeah, it's interesting because they're pretty good about skating past the stuff in other ones. But it's very funny to mention those two in the 60s when it's like yeah. after 30 years of every person who worked for him screaming like, Hoover, we need to look into the mafia. He finally goes, oh, yeah, we probably should at the same time that he's like, but also Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah. We should get that guy to kill himself. It, yeah. It is insane to me that, well, I mean, also it's like, it's what that is as much as they were quote unquote looking into the organized crime. Like that's, it's kind of would it be hard to skim over what they did against civil rights activists, even for the Bureau yeah. itself. Cause it's like pretty much all they were doing was killing yeah. Fred Hampton. So yeah. And yeah. Uh, all right, hang on here. We'll, we'll jump back in time briefly and then yeah, apologies. forward to the, no, it's okay. I liked the quote. It was, you know me. I love reading quotes that I know will make me angry. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> but so, you know, as we alluded to, he frequently butted heads with uh, quite a few presidents. Uh, 
earliest on being President Truman, yeah. who uh, opposed his proposal to expand the FBI's influence globally. Yeah, insane. And can I say, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's bad enough that we have one evil intelligence agency expanding itself around the world at this time. I'm glad that we that were able to limit that. Too. Yeah, and I think um, there was some sort of quote from Truman. I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he, he's essentially saying he didn't want a, an American Gestapo, which, like, yeah, essentially, I mean, fair enough. With under Hoover, if you gave him that much power, I could see it becoming something like that. Yeah, it right? pretty much was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, within our borders, there were definitely periods where I'd For argue sure. that it fit the bill. <laughs> um, he also, at the beginning of the Korean War, uh, proposed a plan to suspend habeas corpus and arrest several thousand Americans who he suspected would be protesting the war, uh, which that's <laughs> talk about future crimes. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And once again, Truman said no. Uh, right. and again, good. I'm with him on that yeah. one. Um, Truman had a few but, good ones. Yeah. Truman had a couple good ones. Yeah. Um, but Truman was the first of several presidents to, state on record uh well not on record but to be quoted as saying to uh, friends or confidants that they would fire uh hoover but feared the political consequences from doing so so even yeah. this early on hoover's propensity for collecting and utilizing information yeah. was pretty well known which mm-hmm. i thought was interesting it is yeah. um in the 50s of course the very famous cointel pro operation start so that's counterintelligence programs. Right. And we honestly, we're probably not going to talk about these for super long because I feel like mm. these are pretty well-trod ground. Um, but Roswell, did you have any general thoughts you wanted to give before we take a look at just sort of the broad strokes? Yeah. I mean, I th- I thought it was interesting that that some of his kind of aides and like people who were around him um, thought that he was kind of exaggerating the threat of communism to help kind of support and grow the FBI, uh, which mm-hmm. I could see being, you know, knowing this schmuck, it could be possible. <laughs> um, and especially when we look into kind of the methods of counter Intel pro, which are very black bag, very like, you know, the kind of stuff you don't want the government doing, which is, you know, yeah. planning forged documents, again, illegal wire tapping, blah, 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 you know, water sending in undercover stuff. agents. Yeah. All of the all of the things you think about the FBI doing, that was COINTELPRO. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, and it's like um, some people also say that they like incited violence and arranged murder, mm-hmm. murders, um, which I could, I mean, I don't know. I don't really think that's up for debate personally, but yeah. yeah. You know. Do you think that the FBI would really arrange a murder <laughs> or incite violence? Personally, I don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, I don't know. What was... Was there kind of a correlation between COINTELPRO and sort of the um, McCarthy kind of crusade or were they two separate phenomena? They were definitely, they were two sides of the same coin, right? So it starts in 1956. I think McCarthyism was already sort of in swing by that point. Um, But it was definitely, it's part of the same thing, right? The red menace overseas. It's, It's the 50s, we're... We're doing Korea and we're all sort of the nation sort of driving itself crazy over the fact that communism exists. And that, yeah. you know, obviously um, the Korean War specifically would lead to things like MK Ultra, mm-hmm. And I think just general scaremongering around yeah. the Reds 
would <laughs> pave the way for a lot of the more unsavory actions that we see intelligence yeah. agencies getting up to at this point. Yeah, and well, and so we see them going after the Communist Party in the United States. That was the kind of the big mm-hmm. target. But also, like you said, people like Charlie Chaplin and like celebrities, which is just like, I don't know. It seems like there'd be bigger fish to fry personally, but yeah, I mean, I guess like, I don't know, personally, I would go after the organized crime, but yeah, I'd look that's into just like me. Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano instead of yeah. betting on horse races they're running, but to each their <laughs> own. Um, yep. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So it just seems kind of like, I don't know, like another, and listen, I, you're the communist here, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna hop on your side, but it does seem like an inflated. I don't know witch hunt essentially against. I don't know against the Welcome communists. Welcome aboard, Roswell. I regret to inform no, you. That's, no, that's no, all no, you have no, to no, say. That's unknown. I am teetering on the edge of Marxism. <laughs> that's okay. I'm, just, I'm here. I'm gonna make you love you. God. I'm gonna force yeah. you. <laughs> We're going yeah. down together. Deal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, COINTELPRO, like I said, it's, I mean, it was massive, right? It was exposed yeah. first, I think it was in 1971, I forgot to write down the year, when a group of activists stole a bunch of documents and were basically able to go like, hey. Yeah, 1971. They're spying on us. And then, yeah. of course, later on, the church committee, uh, which naturally also was looking into, like, CIA activities, the church committee really was, they were the guys who blew the lid off a lot of these things. And in 1975, they discussed COINTELPRO as well. Yeah. Um, But COINTELPRO, I mean, so it's pretty well known that the Kennedys and Hoover had a pretty contentious relationship, to say the least. Yeah. But it's worth noting that even they were using COINTELPRO. So like COINTELPRO was both a means of spying on these like left wing they also spied on like you know to their credit they also spied on the clan and a couple other like white supremacist groups but it was mostly like black yeah. nationalists and civil rights activists right. as well as and when we look at like kind of some of the other like violence that the clan did that they failed to really follow up on that yeah. really i think nails the lid in the coffin that they were maybe just doing it yeah very surface or, level yeah or the violence that like clan members who were also FBI informants did against civil rights activists that the FBI then like covered yep. up. Yeah. Yep. It's it is again like I said it's all the things you've heard about the FBI doing and more. That's what COINTELPRO is. Yep. But, you know, like I said the Kennedys among others, uh, pretty much every president who was around while COINTELPRO was happening utilized these things, including the Kennedys. Uh like for instance they spied on a couple senators that they were suspicious of and Bobby Kennedy himself received uh, the information from the MLK wiretaps. Yeah. uh, Which, you know, obviously that's the sort of thing that shouldn't be happening. They're using that for political game. They're using that to keep an eye on left-wing activists. Right. Uh, Nothing new under the sun, as they say. (laughs) Um, And of course, it's worth noting, uh, you know, in a second, I'm going to get into what I think are Hoover's links to a bootleggers. But of course the Kennedys, his, his old foes, uh, Joe Kennedy was no saint himself when it came to making a bunch of money during the prohibition era. So exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that out. Yeah. Wasn't it prohibition money that bought him, uh, JFK's election essentially. I mean, pretty much a huge oversimplification, but like, 
you know, like vibes wise, that that feels correct. You know? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> definitely it's yeah, it's an oversimplification, but it's also not untrue, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Speaking of our friend JFK, of course. Hoover personally ran the FBI investig- the FBI's investigation into the Kennedy assassination following his mm. death. Um, and at that point, there was a national statute that stated that if you were 70 years of age or older, you had to retire. And uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, what a guy. He suspended that for Hoover's case specifically and then allowed him to continue running the FBI indefinitely, specifically so he could investigate jfk's assassination which yeah doesn't Mm. raise my eyebrows at all personally (laughs) because i mean imagine if someone who wasn't hoover got in charge and you know was investigating the warren commission you know or like the excuse me not the warren commission the jfk assassination you know i don't what would we have learned instead you you know yeah exactly think about all the things we wouldn't know about charlie chaplin for instance (laughs) um but (laughs) what a loss yeah exactly (laughs) um but then you know like i said hoover uh remained in power up until his death in 1972 which the document talked about he had a heart attack in his sleep and that was that so those are the broad strokes of hoover there's a couple things i want to sort of zero in on uh before we wrap up but did you have any any thoughts uh before we carry on no i mean uh the I guess we can talk about did we want to ju- talk a little more deeply about his relation to civil rights groups yeah yeah I was gonna say let's take a look at that sorry complete I got distracted by our our joking about Charlie Chaplin um, <laughs> no, no worries but yeah the FBI uh, they were not great when it came to civil rights groups so Martin Luther King is probably the most famous instance of their malfeasance uh where they would they would wiretap him and specifically wait for times where it sounded like he was particularly down or depressed and then uh you know crack down on him they at one point sent him an anonymous letter urging him to kill himself and threatening to expose a tape that allegedly contained evidence of him having an affair if he didn't it's so psychotic yeah really just truly heinous activity another um and another kind of vignette that I thought was fascinating was Jacqueline Kennedy talking about how Hoover mentioned Mm -hmm. the JFK that Martin Luther King was arranging sex parties in the Capitol or something crazy like that, where she's just like, or like that King, you know, was saying wild stuff about, you know, uh, to Robert F. Kennedy about JFK at his funeral, you know, just like insane stuff, which is like, kind of keeping in that vein of like the FBI just being a giant rumor mill essentially mm-hmm. of black It's also, men. yeah, the sex parties thing in particular made my eyebrows stand up considering, you know, yes. some of the rumors spreading around about J. Edgar Hoover himself. Absolutely. It's very, just like a lot of things, you know, like just like with MK Ultra, right? Where it's like, it started out as us going like, well, the North Koreans are brainwashing people, so yeah. we'd better do it first. Like it's, yeah. it's weird. It's real- just like real who smelt it dealt it situation yeah exactly it's <laughs> it's this very weird tick that i see throughout like all of these intelligence agencies in the cold war is like yeah they almost compulsively have to blame their activities on someone else or like say yeah. that their enemies are doing the things they're doing and i don't know yeah. if that's like an intentional thing or if it's just like 
a subconscious like attempt to justify it or what it is, but it's very weird that it keeps popping up in our research. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, another incident that like raised my eye, we kind of touched on briefly, was a civil rights worker who was murdered by Klansmen, complex Klansmen, mm-hmm. a white lady named Viola Liuzzo, um, who basically just had a, a black guy in her car. That was her crime. And for that, she was shot to death. Thankfully, the young man survived um, and escaped. But sadly, she was killed. And then after she was killed, the FBI has spread rumors that she was a member of the Communist Party and had abandoned her own children, you know, to basically shack up with black people involved in the civil rights movement, which is just like, it's so insane that, you know, oh, and one thing I forgot to mention, one of the Klansmen, I guess, was like an informant for the FBI. Yeah. So it's like it's so insane that you just murder a lady in cold blood illegally, obviously, that should be said. And then you've got to sm- disperse her name on top of it, too. Um, I don't know. It's yeah. just, that made my blood boil. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing, again, like I said, that, you know, uh, sort of things sort of out of the purview of this episode, but the idea of FBI informants being involved in far right violence and then the agency yeah. covering it up are yeah. things that bear some ominous echoes with later on later events. Yeah. Um, and then of course, final note on Martin Luther King, of course there's uh, been speculation by some uh, including most notably, of course, King's widow, widow Coretta Scott King uh, that James Earl, Earl Ray, the man, who was arrested and convicted for assassinating King was sort of set up to take the fall and that it was concealing a larger conspiracy that the FBI had foreknowledge of. Right. Well, and I mean, if we look at later things, you know, with government agencies being involved with lone wolf activity, it kind of just falls right in line with like Oklahoma city bombing, you know, and all a lot of that other stuff where it's just a lot of the pieces of that assassination don't add up. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald, that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff, you know, it's just like, I, I could buy into the fact that, you know, that, uh, what was that guy's name? Sorry. I just lost it. James Earl Ray. That James Earl Ray either was not involved, was coerced or didn't act alone. You know, at the very yeah. least, I, I think it's quite within the realm of possibility. Yeah. And several members of King's family have, um, you know, advocated for that idea have asked for like reopening of investigations things like that yeah um so that was just something i thought was worth noting of course you yourself alluded to uh fred hampton several other civil rights leaders they just it was the fbi was really just sort of like we said any evil thing that you can think of that wasn't being done by the cia and some things that were being done by the cia were also being done by the fbi like yeah so but just, hey, at least they didn't get Meyer Lansky. What a shame that would have been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, now I want to, there's one thing I want to zero in on that we can spend yeah. a little bit of time on. This episode might be a bit short, but that's all right. That's okay. um, it's a depressing subject, so we won't take yeah. too long on it. Um, so one quick thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was a member of the Fraternal Order of Eagles, as well as being uh. a Mason. Yes, I was wondering if you were going to touch on this. Yeah, I think they just brought them up on Subliminal Jihad. So I had them on the brain when I saw that name pop up in my reading. And I was like, oh, hang on, I need to look into this. Um, At the time Mm. of Hoover's joining, the requirements were that you be a white male of good moral standing who was not a communist. Uh, Mm. Which, 
gives you an idea of the sort of people who are getting inducted into that. Uh, the Dorks. white requirement has since been removed. But to this day, if you want to become a member of the Order of Eagles, you cannot be a member of a communist party or any other group that, and this is a direct quote, advocates for the overthrow of the U.S. government, Um, which I guess is a fine provision to include in your membership. It's very weird that they felt the need to state that, but, you know, whatever. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. That That is very funny. Yeah. So, you know, J. Edgar Hoover was soaring with the eagles, I suppose. Mm. Um, but now he's we... sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, funny you should say that. It's yeah. now time for us to uh, turn our direction, turn our eyes towards the mob stuff. Yeah. Uh, namely, what's the deal with Hoover's lack of enthusiasm there? We've been joking about it pretty much this whole time, but I think it's because it's very notable uh, that this insane yeah. guy who like was wiretapping everybody, constantly following people, for some reason just couldn't bring himself to go after the mob for a long time. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple reasons for this, I think. Uh, one is, of course, the the other thing we sort of danced around, right? The the whole matter of his sexuality. He even during his lifetime, there were constantly rumors swirling around him about homosexual activities and things yeah. like that. Which, obviously, just to be clear, is not why we're criticizing him. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just no, that's not there. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna be hammering in the fact that he was gay pretty soon, and I just want to yeah, be clear. Yeah. Obviously, that's fine. It's the fact that he was an insane racist that bothers me. Yes. Um, or, or the fact that you know you, you can allow, like, a repression of a certain aspect of your personality and yourself to kind of fuel hatred mm-hmm. and you know direct that in like a very dangerous way right yeah that's and he a, yeah yeah he of course during the 50s uh helped eisenhower root out like gay people in dc and would like out them and expose them so yeah not good whether you're gay or not don't do that um Please but anyway there's uh, a good deal of evidence that hoover's longtime friend and associate roy Cohn. Uh, mm-hmm. a name which will be already be raising eyebrows amongst our more noited members of the audience, <laughs> uh, who is a former se- uh, staffer to Senator Joe McCarthy, of course. Um, and just sidebar, again, second sidebar on this sentence. McCarthy has his own set of allegations uh, surrounding his conduct with young girls, but yeah, that's fine. We'll deal with that later, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Roy Cohn was known for his involvement in elaborate blackmailing schemes uh, that involved throwing lavish sex parties with underage participants, then recording the conduct of the high-profile people in attendance, and then blackmailing them later with proof of their participation. So, yeah, classic Epstein-style intelligence honeypot, right? Epstein, Franklin scandal, Gilles Dore, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, You know. uh, Exactly, yeah. It was an elaborately staged hoax. But he ran this in conjunction with uh, a bootlegger named Louis Rosensteel, uh, a guy who I spent probably too much time researching, considering the fact that I'm not going to talk about him for very long. But super interesting guy. He basically cornered the market on bourbon and also because of the fact that he was running distilleries during the Prohibition era was, of yeah. course, associated with mob figures like Meyer Lansky and right. all the others. Um, now, 
is this 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 wasn't his wife who was the one who's uh, attributed with telling the Hoover mm-hmm. cross-dressing story? Am I right? Okay. Yeah, so that's the reason that I bring him up. So Rosensteel was one of the guys running these things. But yeah, it was, I think, his fourth wife. Uh, he was yeah, married yeah. a couple times. And <laughs> just word of advice to all the people out there running Eyes Wide Shut style blackmail parties. <laughs> we, know yeah, yeah, we know you all listen. Yeah, we know you're all listening. Don't invite the wife, right? Yeah. Like, tell her you're going bowling or something, but <laughs> you can't bring her to this. But yes, it was his wife who later testified that she saw Hoover dressed in drag uh, and, you know, engaging in sexual acts with men. Uh, I'm sorry. I just have to derail it. I just imagined a meme for, like, the people who go to CIA Eyes Wide Shut parties. <laughs> it's like when the homie brings his wife to the Eyes Wide Shut party. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, I just had to well, get that I know out. what I'm including in the Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> but um, but anyway, so yeah, like I said, it's the it's the classic honeypot intelligence yeah. method, right? And this is the thing that the the mob had been doing for quite some time. They introduced Roy Cohn to, yeah. uh, and Cohn. I would like to note uh, on top of almost constantly being surrounded by young boys, something that Roger Stone very casually brought up in an interview once. Um, He was also regularly rubbing elbows with uh, quite a few notable individuals. Aside from, of course, J. Edgar Hoover and Roger Stone, we had like Rupert Murdoch, William Casey, interesting, Mm. Alan Dershowitz as well, (laughs) Ronald and Nancy Reagan, Donald Trump, uh, who... Mm. quoted who's like quoted in esquire magazine talking about how sometimes even just getting roy to send a letter to someone would be enough to get them to drop a lawsuit um he also wow yeah when trump was sued for segregation in his housing uh he hired roy Cohn and praised Cohn's willingness to say oh yeah we've got this case in the bag which cool um and also uh roy Cohn's cousin clinton advisor richard morris uh, remained a close friend of his throughout much of his life. Yeah. Uh, so those are just some of the most eyebrow-raising figures. Uh, yeah. Already a couple people in the Epstein orbit, right? And this is yeah. much well, earlier than that. Well, and there was also, I believe, um, some allegations that Hoover was friends with a child pornographer by the name of Billy Byers. Did you read this? Oh, yes. Um, I skimmed over that. I got distracted by the Roy Cohn thing, but yeah, please. No, I'm glad you did. Well, I mean, that's just sort of the long and the short of the the guy who was Mm -hmm. an, you know, and I should say alleged child pornographer, but he did film a 1972 art film called the Genesis children, which has an X rating. Um, and according to its Wikipedia page remained controversial because of some lengthy full nudity scenes of teenage and preteen boys. So, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, man, I don't know if this guy was a child pornographer. Uh, yeah, I'm being ironic. If you're filming nude preteen boys in a movie, you're a child pornographer, even if yeah. it's not. You know what I mean? Sort like by definition, yeah. If you're by yeah. definition, there are naked children in your pornography film. Yeah, let's well, reduce I'm, that fraction. But yeah, uh, and also you know. cut it out. <laughs> yeah, also don't do that. In this um, reporter's opinion, stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, like. There was um, some allegations that Hoover kept a large collection of pornograph material himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think somebody said it was the world's largest, which is like, how do you know? But yeah. um, uh, but like a lot of it was supposedly involving celebrities, which 
he used for his own titillation and held them for blackmail purposes. As oh, the, I hate that quote. <laughs> I hate that quote. That's again just from the Wikipedia. Okay, I, I, I will say like... <laughs> the um the Wikipedia for this one. You know, our William Colby Wikipedia page was very like this guy rocked. It was a very <laughs> dude's rock Wikipedia. This one is a very anti J Edgar Hoover, which I do kind of. It's fair enough, right? Yeah, definitely a slant against him by whoever did this one, but. I mean, I think it would be kind of hard not to be against yeah, hey, the guy. I'm glad but, that there's a slant against it. Look, I came in pretty hard against Wikipedia on the Mothman episode and pretty much every episode before over. that. So, you know, shout out to Wikipedia for this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but uh, you know, regardless, like we're seeing, again, these themes that just keep popping up, which is like blackmail, child pornography, sex parties. Yep. Just, yikes, yikes. I have yikes. a couple other notes about Roy Cohn real quick. Oh, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut No, in. no. That's totally good. This was all – it was all very relevant, right? Because this yeah. is the general environment in which Hoover's swimming around, which is yeah. not a great picture. Um, but, yeah. So, like we said, uh, Rosenstiel's ex-wife, I believe his fourth one, like I said, I forgot to write it down, uh, is the one who alleged that she saw Hoover as well as Roy Cohn and, of course, her ex-husband – engaging in sexual activities with children uh as well as of course even more shockingly men um but, <laughs> yeah the horror uh but hoover upon meeting cone in the early 1950s uh was impressed both by his like cutthroat methods of getting things and his fervent anti-communism yeah and reportedly told him to quote call me directly whenever he found information worth sharing um mm. which as far as Quotes linking the two goes, that's pretty damning. Um, yeah. And among some of other, one of other, one of the, sorry, goodness gracious, one of the other notable associates that Cohn had, of course, we have uh, Cardinal Francis Spellman of the Archdiocese of New York, mm. uh, whose pedophilic activities were well documented within Hoover's FBI files. Personally, uh, Matt, I am shocked and appalled that a Catholic <laughs> cardinal would be embroiled in a sex. In a yeah, he. I mean, <laughs> you jest, but in all seriousness, he was sort of. Uh, he's many people point to him as being one of the guys who was like really instrumental in allowing that problem to spread as far and quickly as it did. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, like it was so well known that there were like FBI agents who called him. I don't remember what it was, but they gave him like a woman's name as a nickname because it was so well known that he was frequently like sleeping with boys, which is a gross thing to do. I would like to note that. Yeah. There again, like I said, just like the, just like the shocking reveal about Hoover, like the, yeah. the, the joke there seems to be like, ew, he's gay instead yeah, of exactly. this man is a pedophile, but you know, very strange boys. What are you a lady? Like, yeah, no, exactly. That's not, that's not the takeaway guys. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the two of them were very tightly connected, as I, I've sort of yeah. tried to establish, right? No, and I think it's clear. Of course, Cone, through Rosen, through Lewis Rosenstiel, and just through forming direct connections with people like Meyer Lansky, and a couple, I think also Lucky Luciano, if I remember right, uh, had very direct mob ties. He was also, if you're working with real estate guys in New York in the 80s, like, oh, yeah. come on, man, you're, you're a mob guy. But sure. uh, anyway, so I and some others will allege that that is why Hoover was so uh, soft on crime, so to speak, in terms of chasing down the organized crime networks that everybody knew were around in the 30s and onward. 
um, is that these people who have his exact same method of collecting blackmail and then using it uh, probably collected blackmail and then used it if I had to hazard a guess. Um, So the real reason that I wanted to talk about Hoover and the reason that I wanted to take this like side note is just to say, you know, just like with the OSS episode, right? Almost all of these horrifying things and many of the things that you hear about in conspiracy circles today, they're not new. They started a long time ago. They've been in use for a very long time. And they're, they were being used simultaneously by and against the leading heads of these agencies for a very, very long time. Um, and that's not a very cheerful message to take us out on. <laughs> no. But unfortunately, it is the one that I've been thinking about for a while. Well, here's a cheerful message to kind of cheer us up. Um, Hoover died. Yeah. Well, that's sort of, a, sort of a win, right? Yeah. I mean, he did him, die. Folks. Yeah, we got him. He died peacefully of old age in his bed. We yeah, got him. Still the head of the FBI. <laughs> um, it's very uh, much no. the same energy as, you know, whenever Kissinger finally kicks the bucket, we're going to get a lot of joyful posts about it. It's like, no, he outlived almost all of us. This yeah. man won. He got away with it, regrettably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess if I have to make a more hopeful spin, because I'm getting a little blackpilled over here. Uh, What I would say is just sort of keep your eyes open, right? Uh, Again, these networks, these sorts of things, especially in terms of like the blackmail rings, they're larger than any one person or any one agency. Uh, These are vast networks that I think sort of transcend national boundaries, intelligence agency boundaries. You know, Epstein wasn't just an employee of the CIA, right? Right. Uh, And that's something to remember. Whenever you look at these sort of stories, remember that it's all connected if you would yeah but. it's a small piece of a much larger puzzle yeah and, and remember nothing can hide from the eyes of god yeah nothing can hide from the <laughs> eyes of god yeah in all seriousness yeah if we want a hopeful message yeah eventually we're yeah. gonna the earth will justice be will be done yeah <laughs> <laughs> and who's to say who's gonna do that justice yeah. i do have to leave to rent a rider truck um <laughs> But, Who's uh, paying for the rider truck? Uh, the <laughs> well, FBI, weirdly enough. Well, um, yeah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> what a coincidence. They bought me a gun. Um, but, um, Aberration in the heartland of the Roswell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how much of that's going to be in this episode, but I, folks, we've been cooking with gas these last couple minutes. Um, this has been a bit of a goof-off episode, so I apologize. Okay. It was yeah. a late-night one. It's the end of the year, right? We're all we're all getting a little loose with it. Yeah. Is there anything but, else you wanted to say about our, well, not our boy, but returning villain J. Edgar Hoover? Returning villain J. Edgar Hoover. Like I said, it's all connected, folks. Right. You think I'm joking when I say it. Regrettably, I am not. No. Um, the webs we weave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, will say, we've got, we've got a couple fun things coming down the pipe. We've been talking with each other about some fun projects. Uh, yeah. We might get started on now that I'm out of school for a little bit. So stay yeah. tuned, everybody. Exactly. I wasn't lying about the rider truck. <laughs> no, no, not that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that that about does it, right? Yeah, I think that uh, does it. Yeah, yeah. You will see us in the new year with some new content. Um, but until then, you could head over to our thread list. You could look at a nice T-shirt. You could go to our social media. You, yeah, you'll find it. I'm not even gonna repeat it i'm too lazy you know where it is yeah i've had a long day it's negative 10 degrees out here so um yeah uh yeah 
Uh, hope you had a nice time at the end of your December, Matt, as well as audience. And thank you. Yeah. Until next time, dear listeners. <laughs> fidelity, bravery, integrity. <laughs> <laughs>